Heavenly Father, give us ears ready to hear and hearts ready to receive your living word to us. May you use Dave Shannon to help us comprehend more fully your sovereignty and power and how we can turn to and depend on you, our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the reading is from Habakkuk, um, chapter 1, beginning at verse 12. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like a fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. This is the word of the Lord. How do we approach God when we have a problem? During times of crisis and suffering and opposition, how do we approach God when the unexpected happens? And when it comes to this problem, have we made the right assessment about it? Have we interpreted the problem correctly so that we approach God correctly? Because our assessment of the situation will affect the way that we approach God. How we interpret something will affect how we approach God. And so the events happening around us today, COVID-19 and church, we need to interpret these things spiritually. Assessing them with the lens of scripture and the Bible, we can't assess them politically, philosophically or even socially, because to assess them in these ways would be lacking. We need to interpret our problem properly. Because God might be using what seems to us to be abhorrent, disastrous, detestable. He might be using those to rebuke and correct us, to discipline us, to restore us to a right relationship with God. And so we can't jump too quickly to conclusions. And our assessment of the problem will affect how we approach God. Do we humbly and genuinely come to God with our issue and problems, pouring out our heart and expecting an answer? Or do we approach God with anger and frustration, attacking and blaming God for the problems we're faced with? Or do we do nothing? Sure, we might shoot up an obligatory prayer, but not really expecting an answer, and just continuing as if approaching God wasn't that important anyway. How do you approach God when we have a problem? Well, Habakkuk has a great approach for us this morning. We've been working our way through the book of Habakkuk and seen Habakkuk call out to God about a terrible problem. The king of Judah, who's meant to lead the people in the ways of the Lord, does great evil and wickedness instead. Injustice and violence rule the world under Jehoiakim's reign. And so Habakkuk calls out to God, How long will you tolerate this? 
and God replies to Habakkuk, but tells him the unexpected. God will raise Babylon, the great pagan nation full of wickedness and evil. God will raise Babylon as his instrument to judge his people. But this is unexpected. And some super smart dudes, some scholars, they tell us that Habakkuk's second response, uh, the second complaint here, it actually comes after Babylon has come through and smashed Jerusalem. And so Habakkuk has not only been told that Babylon will judge, but actually he's seen it with his very own eyes. And you see, Habakkuk has a problem. It's there in verse 13. How can God use the wicked to judge the righteous? That's his problem. But you see, he doesn't start there, does he? Before addressing God with his problem, his complaint, the first thing he does as he approaches God is he starts with the things he knows to be absolutely true about God. Next, he he pours out his heart wrestling with the struggles that he has about God to God. And and finally, he brings it back to God. Uh, He waits on God and expects to hear back from him. You see, these verses are really a well-crafted, faithful approach as as he shows great faith and honesty in in coming to God and, and waiting on him for his reply. And he actually shows us two things. First, it's always right to affirm what we know to be true about God. It is always right to affirm what we know to be true about God. That's the first. The second is it's always right to take our questions about God to God. When we've got doubts, issues, concerns about God, Habakkuk shows that it's always right to take them to God. Well, Habakkuk approaches God and he starts with the knowns. Because if we're going to find a solution to the problem, we've got to look at it with the certainty of faith. We've got to forget the problem for a moment and remember what's always true and unchanging about God. And remember that this is an act of faith. Verse 12, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. And the first thing he says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? God's unlike any other. He's eternal. He's always been and always will be. And what a contrast to Babylon, hey? Whose whose strength is their God, verse 11. But our God's unlike the God of the proud Babylonians. In fact, he's unlike any God people worship. You see, our God's eternal. And so when we're feeling oppressed and and worried about the problems we face uh, around us, how soothing and reassuring to know that God, he's outside of history. He proceeds, in fact, he created history. His throne is is above the world. He is outside of time. He reigns eternally. God is eternal. We also see that our God is is holy. My God, my holy one. Our God is holy. God's holiness is everything that sets him apart from us. And it's what makes him an object of awe of adoration, of dread to us. 
He is great and, and morally perfect. He's perfectly pure and cannot tolerate any form of evil and sin. He is perfectly righteous, a consuming fire. God is light and no darkness can be found in him, John tells us. You see, our God is a holy God. But he is also Lord. You see, Habakkuk leans on God's self-disclosing name. When we say Lord capitalized like this, it's referring to God's name. You see, God revealed his name to Moses in the burning bush, and his name evokes God's covenant faithfulness. God is a God who makes promises and keeps his promises. And his name also speaks of his self-sustaining, his self-determining, sovereign reality. You see, the Lord isn't dependent on the events of the world. He doesn't rely on anyone, anything. And yet he's the one who revealed himself to the world. He's the one who is above the world. And finally, Habakkuk describes God as my rock. And this conveys God's almighty power and strength. He is the one, after all, who created all things out of nothing. By the power of his word, light, land, what everything came into existence. You see, God's the almighty rock. And having established what he knows to be true of God in his character, Habakkuk sees the events in the light of these absolute truths about God. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. You see, Habakkuk speaks in faith. God has appointed Habakkuk to execute judgment. God has ordained them to punish his people. And he says these in faith, as he knows God's character. The Babylonians haven't taken the law into their own hands, and it's not that God couldn't restrain the Babylonians. He knows God's using them for his purpose, even if he doesn't fully understand it. Habakkuk knows, in light of God's promises, that this isn't the end for God's people. Some will remain. Certainly lots have been taken into captivity, yes, but but God is using Babylon to fulfill his purposes. God's not showing weakness. God hasn't been defeated. Habakkuk doesn't start with his problem. He starts with the absolute truths about God's character and his sovereign rule and control. And this is such a helpful response when we're facing problems in life. And and it's, it's what's helped me during the ongoing situation at church, to be honest. There's been so many uncertainties, so many unknowns, that actually holding on to the absolutes about God has helped me persevere hugely. We have a good and loving God. He is sovereign over all things, even this mess. And he will build his church. Holding on to these, remembering these, has really helped me persevere in the ongoing uncertainty. We've just seen that before Habakkuk brings his problem and complaint to God, he starts with the knowns about God, the absolute truths about God and his character. And he, and as Habakkuk continues, he lays out his problem and doubts about God to God. He takes them to God. Because he lies the problem, uh, his conundrum. 
verse 13, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Habakkuk recognises that God and evil are eternal opposites. All wicked and evil are abhorrent to God because he is pure. He, he detests all wrongdoing. Anything that's unjust, wicked, evil, that he's so far removed from God and his character. And see, there's no, no question of God being unjust here. But see, here lies the problem. How could God use Babylon? Babylon, they're that wicked, evil nation. How could he use them to judge his people? Sure, Judah were bad. But Babylon, they're far worse. God, the cure is far worse than the disease. See, in Habakkuk's eyes, in his eyes, if there was a morality competition, a morality pageant, well, Habakkuk would lose hands down. Judah would wear the sash of righteousness. And so, God, how can you send the baddies to judge your people? And and it's like someone said in, in our discipleship teams last week, it's like you call the police with a problem and the police send in the mafia someone far worse to deal with it. What? It doesn't make sense. Because have a look at what Babylon's like. And, and Habakkuk, he compares them to fishermen. Have a look there from verse 14. You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe, Babylon, pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. And he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net, he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? Habakkuk describes them as fishermen who who cast hooks and nets into the water at will and pull up great hauls of fish. The fish are helpless. They're without a ruler to lead them. They're unable to organize a resistance. They can't avoid to be... Babylon can do whatever they please. And whilst it's the Lord who allows Babylon to, to catch all this fish, well, Babylon's the one taking credit for it. There's no regard for God. Instead, they're worshipping themselves. Did you say that? They're sacrificing and burning incense to the net. You see, so when I say that, I kind of get the picture of a muscle man. You know those bitches, a super ripped guy, and they're like kissing their muscles. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm so good. That's the kind of picture I get. You see, Babylon are exploiting other nations at will. They are living in such luxury. And even though it's God who allowed that to take place, they are taking the credit for their victory and prosperity. And so Habakkuk asks, What? How can you use them, Lord? How does this fit with your character? You hate evil and all wrongdoing. Just look at them. See what they've done. Habakkuk takes his complaint about God to God. 
he doesn't understand how God might be using Babylon, how God can be using Babylon and how that fits with God's character. And so he brings his complaint, he brings his doubt, he brings his problems to God. And we might wonder the same thing. How is it that the evil prosper? Why does it seem that those with money, wealth, beauty, that they get away with things? That's certainly, that I certainly wouldn't get away with it. And we might wonder the same things. Why do those who seem to do such great evil get away with it? Do they prosper? Why do those with money, wealth, beauty, why do they get away with things that I would never get away with? Why do people who scam and and con people seem to get away with it? They don't fit with God's idea of the wicked being punished and the righteous succeeding. And what about those who come to faith and so quickly abandon it to become great antagonizers of the faith? Or those who, who seem to start with great vigor but over time become burdened and overcome with by the worries of the world, that their faith plays second fiddle to everything else in life, and they only attend church when nothing else good is on and just become nominal Christians. How can God allow these things to happen? Well, we're not going to find an answer in the problem. No matter how much we mull over these issues, we can't solve it on our own. We have to go to God who hasn't changed and see what he says to us about it. And that's what Habakkuk does. He doesn't end with his complaint. He doesn't end with his doubt. He leads into his understanding about God and his character as he waits for God's response. He leans towards God in faith. Have a look there at verse 1. I will stand at my watch and station myself myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. See, Habakkuk describes himself like a watchman. He's on the city wall, high up, away from the crowds of the people, watching and waiting for God's response. And he expects an answer from God. Did you see that? I will look to see what he will say to me. He expects an answer from God. And I reckon that Habakkuk shows great perseverance here. You see, he raises his mind above what he sees happening around him, above his complaint, and he leaves it with God. He's now waiting expectingly, confident that God will answer. And when we're faced with great difficulty and suffering, I think we should do the same. We need to approach God by pouring out our heart and then leaving it with God and expecting an answer. We are, after praying to God, we are to leave it with God. You see, how often do we pray about something, tell God that we can't solve it, that we can't understand it fully, that we need Him to help us deal with it, and to ask Him to show us the way, but then the second we say amen to continue worrying about it. And if we've done that, well, we might as well have never have prayed. And so we actually need to learn to, to pray to God and leave it with God. Don't discuss it with a close friend. Oh, I've got this big problem. Please help me work it out. No, no, no. Leave it with God. Go to your watchtower and wait his response. 
we're going to detach ourselves from the problem after we've taken it to God. And, and this will be hard work for some of us. But we need to stop worrying about our, we need to stop worrying ourselves about it by turning our backs on it and, and centering our gaze at God instead. You see, Habakkuk looked at the situation and he couldn't work it out. But he took it to God. And having looked at God, he stopped looking at his difficulty. And I wonder if that's what Paul speaks about in the book of Philippians. When he says, do not be anxious about anything. And it doesn't matter what the problem is, don't be anxious. Don't be burdened or worn down by it. We should never be crushed by by worry or concern. But we should never be taken down physically or spiritually because of our anxiety or concern about something. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. After taking it to the Lord, we've got to leave it with Him and let the peace of God guard our hearts and minds. And after leaving it with God, we need to expect a reply from God. And waiting for a reply, it's, it's an act of faith as, as we listen to God's Word, as we turn to the Bible, because the Bible is the one sure and true place that God will answer our questions. We will find an answer in God's word. Do you eagerly pour over the scriptures looking for God's response? Uh, and you see, what can happen is suddenly uh, a strange and wonderful light might be cast down on our problem as we read the scriptures. You see, we've got to remember that God speaks through his word. And that as we read it, we need to ask, what is it that God has to tell me here in this passage that I'm reading right now? And it's as we do that that we will receive an answer to our problem. You see, we need to climb our watchtower and wait, expectingly, expecting God's reply. But you see, God may not answer us straight away. But that doesn't mean he won't. But what can often happen for us as we live in a consumeristic world, is is we expect everything instantly. We want instant noodles, instant movies, instant coffee. <laughs> we, we want everything instantly, don't we? And yet God might deliberately delay in answering us. And because we don't like to wait, we might then turn to our mates, our friends, to address the issues and problems ourselves. Or we, or we let our thoughts, our philosophies, we let our experience uh, shape the way we deal with a problem. Rather than letting the problem be shaped by God, be addressed by God and his word. You see, Habakkuk shows us to expect an answer from God. And it's actually the test of our faith, whether we expect an answer from God or not. After praying to God, we need to climb our watchtower and be waiting for God's reply as we pour pour over God's word. You see, Habakkuk shows us a great model of approaching God. When we've wrestled with doubts and problems about God, we need to start with the knowns. What are the absolute truths about God that will always be true no matter what happens in life? 
Having started with those, we need to pour out our hearts openly and honestly, wrestling with the difficulties we have, sharing the the inconsistencies that we feel are, are happening and the doubts that we have. But then we've got to come back to God. We've got to wait for his response. We've got to turn to his word and seek an answer. And while God might take his time in answering us, we've got to leave it with him and expect a reply. What a great model to use when approaching God with the many uncertainties in life. I pray that this is how we will approach God and that through the difficulties we face, we will grow in faith and dependence on God. Well, let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we are thankful that you are an everlasting God. You are our our rock, our fortress. Uh, You are our holy, sovereign Lord in control over all things. You are a good and loving God, the one who provides salvation and life to us through faith in the Lord Jesus. Father, these are wonderful knowns that we have in Christ. And yet as we see the issues going on around us in this world, as we see COVID-19 uh, kill many people, as, as we see it affect life as we knew it, uh, as we see the, the church and the difficulties that we've had here, Father, we, we call out to you and wonder, why, why are these happening? Why do these continue to, to drag on? Father, we do pray that as we pray about these things, uh, that you would help us uh, long to look to you for an answer, expect an answer, not be cast down in, in worry and dread about these, but to uh, grow in our expectation of, of, of hearing your word, uh, uh, hearing you respond through through your word. Father, you might be using these, these great difficulties to, to rebuke us. You might be using these great difficulties to, 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 to bring us uh, into your fold, to, to grow us, to, to be looking to you uh, in faith. And we pray that you will be doing that great work in us. Father, we thank you for Habakkuk's great model of prayer here. Uh, and we pray that we will use it uh, as we approach you and talk to you about the great difficulties and uncertainties we, we, we face and will face in life. Father, help us in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.